Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. of my message is lava cake, caves, and clicking. Lava cake, caves, and clicking. Um, I have uh, have four sisters, and uh, some of you are like, that explains a lot. Uh, But two older, two younger, and one of my younger sisters is single, and she she wanted to go on this vacation. She wanted to go on a cruise. This is a few years ago, and she was like, I want to go on a a cruise. Would Would you like to go on a cruise with me that I will totally pay for. And I was like, yes, I do. I do want to do that with you. And so I went on this cruise because cruises are, if you've ever been on a cruise, you know, it's just a floating buffet. It's just a, it's somebody, some chubby person like me was just like, what if you could sleep on the buffet and just float in the ocean? And then they made it. You know, and that's what it is. So I went with my sister, uh, which is really fun, and we just kind of hung out and and we ate a lot, and uh, and all the restaurants we went to uh, because we both have the the same last name, we made the reservations. Um, and when you're just with one other person of the opposite gender, everyone just assumed we were married. And I leaned into it just to make her feel weird. <laughs> and she has not invited me on another cruise since. So kind of backfired. But one of the places we went to, uh, they had this amazing chocolate lava cake. Have you ever had a lava cake before? Just a show of hands. Wow. So you know what heaven is going to be like. It's, it's amazing. And the ones that, that they had on this cruise were the best lava cakes I've ever had in my entire life. I don't know what it was. It was so addictive. We got them every night. It might, there might be cocaine that they sprinkled on top of this thing. I don't know what that white substance is, but I know that we wanted it. And we would go and we would order it and we would each get one and then we would go back to the, and you can room service and then we would like order like three more. And, um, and so we, like, it was great. And the, when we came home from the thing, like my sister was just like, literally on, on the, uh, the, the tram like ride to the airport, she's like, I'm going to figure out how to make that lava cake because I can't stop thinking about it. And I'm like, I'm thinking about it right now. And I had one in my pocket. No, I didn't. But, um, <laughs> and so she got home and she really did. She became obsessed and she had no recipe. She didn't know what the ingredients were. She knew there was a couple of things in there that maybe she like weren't maybe in her kitchen. And she just like made a million of them. She, every time I went to her house, she had a bunch of lava cakes just sat on the counter for us to try. And it was like, that one's kind of close, but the inside of this one, but like, I don't know, this isn't right. And what'd you do here? And she's like, I know. And she would make, she made hundreds of these lava cakes over time. She could never get it right. And it was driving her crazy. It had become this like obsession with her. And she's just like, I can't stop thinking about it. I can't let it go. And I bring this up partially because I just really like lava cake and I like talking about it. But, and I hope some of you will make me some. But more than that, I think that this, for a lot of us, this is our experience with friendship, right? At some point, I'm guessing in your life, you've probably stumbled onto uh, someone that you just clicked with right? Uh, they, th- you met them, they got you, you got them. And it was just like, man, it just worked. And you're just like, man, th- something about this relationship, it just, just makes sense. And, you know, maybe it was at summer camp one summer. Maybe it was somebody that you played soccer with in high school. Maybe it was somebody that you roomed with in college. But 
you just, you just clicked with them. You had this deep end connection and camaraderie and it was almost instantaneous. And, and there was something about it that even felt a little bit effortless. And this, this sort of experience is something that scripture highlights as well. Uh, we talked about this guy last week, David, who becomes this huge figure um, in the, the Jewish story, in the Israelite story, is the David that kills Goliath, and he has this really close friend in his life. And their friendship, when they meet up and connect, there is almost like this instantaneous bond that forms. They just click. And I want to read you the, like a sample from Scripture that just sort of shines a spotlight on this. First Samuel chapter 18, verse 1 says this, After David finished talking with Saul, who's the king, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them. Jonathan loved David. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as himself. And Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic and his sword and his bow and his belt. Just this instant, this is the first time they've met and they're like hanging out and there's something about the way that they are and they get each other and they're like, this, wow. And then Jonathan wants it to be obvious that they want to be friends. Like, We're going to be friends and like, I, I, you know, I care almost as much about you as I do, my, which is weird. And he's like, I'll prove it. And he's just like, he take, gives him all of his stuff. You know what I mean? He's like, here's my sword and my shirt. And it's, David's like, this doesn't really fit, but thank you for this nice gesture. I'm a little bit larger than you, but I appreciate you doing this. And I, I sort of imagine this, this kind of instant clicking into place. To me, it, it, it sort of reads like that moment in that movie Step Brothers, you know, where Will Ferrell and John C. Riley they have that moment where they, they suddenly figure out that they actually do like each other. And they're like, do we just become best friends? And he's like, yep. And they're like, do you want to do karate in the garage? Yep. It's like that moment, right? Except more bible right? That's what's happening. And friendships like this, right, they are amazing to have. And they're also devastating to lose. Which can happen for all sorts of reasons, right? Maybe you've had a friendship like this in your life and you had a falling out. Something came between you. Maybe you, you shifted into a different stage of life and it's just like, you know, it, it moved you out of the kind of closeness that you once had. Maybe they moved away or maybe they passed away. And for whatever reason, that close connection was sort of peeled apart. For whatever reason, it, it just it isn't what it once was. But like the taste of like a, a perfect lava cake on a cruise ship, it, it's impossible to erase these sort of peak experiences from our mind. We, we reminisce on them. We replay certain moments about them. We can't help but crave the kind of closeness and connection that these sorts of relationships provide. And, you know, we're supposed to, we're made for it. But the problem for a lot of us is oftentimes we don't really understand exactly why it was we clicked with the people we became close to. But we're like, I don't know, we just, we just, we just did, right? Which isn't really a real answer. It, it, it's mysterious. It feels like magic to us. And because we don't know why it happened or how it happened, we don't know how to recapture it. We don't know how to like, how to recreate it in our life again. And a lot of us end up just sort of crossing our fingers and hoping that we stumble onto it again, that we find the thing that we really want a second time. 
or a third time, or maybe for some of us, even for the first time. And what is crazy is that some people actually do. Some people actually do end up experiencing these deep in friendships more than once in their life. And we see this in the life of David. Now, you may not know this, but this really close friendship that he had with Jonathan, they were, they did so much together. They, they, they spent so much time together. They stood up for one another. They sacrificed for one another. They shared almost everything. And then Jonathan, when they're both really still young, Jonathan dies really tragically in battle. And David, of course, is, is devastated. He feels like he's not going to be able to move on. He feels like maybe this is the end of any kind of deep-end friendship that he will ever have in his life. Except it doesn't end up being that way. Um, as time goes on, he ends up experiencing a handful of other deep-end friendships with other people in his life. And, and in fact, there's this one really interesting scene that takes place um, really close to the time that David is about ready to die. So he's lived his life. You know, Jonathan dies, and, and, and right around that same uh, time in that same battle, his father dies. David ends up becoming king. He becomes one of the greatest kings in all of Israel. And over time, things happen, and the Philistines, of who Goliath is a part of, it's like their arch nemesis, they overthrow the Israelite people. And David gets kicked out of the palace. In this moment that we're about to read, he's on the run. He's at a real low point in his life. He's been dethroned. He's lost everything. He feels like every person has abandoned him. He's hiding in a cave. He's writing really depressive poetry. Some of you have been there. Some of you are there right now. And unfortunately for him, a lot of that poetry was published, right? Aren't you glad no one's doing that with the stuff that you're writing? It's just like, ooh, that's, it's rough. It's dark. I don't know if I want my kids seeing that. Fortunately, a lot of his is in the book of Psalms. So that's congratulations. And this is what happens in that moment. Second Samuel chapter 23 Verse 13, it says, once during the harvest, when David was at the cave of Adullam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rapham. The three who were among the 30, an elite group of David's fighting men, went down to meet him there. So David is, is hiding in a particular cave because he is afraid, but he's also depressed and discouraged. And so these guys, these three guys who have become close friends with him because they've done so much battle together, they've lived so much life together, they seek him out and find him. And they know exactly where to go, where he is. And here's the thing that I want you to understand. Your good friends know where all your caves are. Right? The places that you go to hide and hide out and hide away and cover up and, and sort of escape from the world because you're not in a good place. The people who are really close to you are just like, you think I can't track you there? As elusive as you think you are, you usually probably cope in the same handful of ways. And David did too. And so these guys go find him. It says in verse 14 that David was staying in the stronghold at the time and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem, which is like where he lives. David remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. So like, he's like, man, it would be great to drink the delicious water in the place where there are like thousands of troops defending it. And I know we can't beat them, which is why I'm hiding in a cave writing weird poetry. And they don't do the thing that I think I would have done, which has been like, yeah, that would be nice. Well, see you later, you know, and just leave. They don't do that. 
Instead, they do this, verse 16. So the three men broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem and brought it back and gave it to him. That's insane. And I, I found myself at multiple points in my life continually coming back to this story over and over and over again. And I think it's because it deeply resonates with me. I think, isn't this what we all want? Like when we're in a dark place, when we're discouraged and depressed, when we feel like we are not winning at anything at all in our lives, when we feel like everyone has abandoned us, when we feel like, like nothing we're doing in life actually matters, don't we all want people who like love and care about us so much that they notice when we're missing, that they seek us out, that they crawl into the back of whatever cave that we are hiding in in that moment, that they sit with us in our pain and they're willing to sacrifice and do something on our behalf to help us move forward. I think for most of us, this is the kind of connection that we are most desperate for. I think I read and reread this story so many times because it speaks to a longing that I have that I think we all have. And maybe this is the, the part in the sermon where you're thinking like, well, good for David. Awesome. Glad he had that. You know, I don't, okay? I don't know. Like, where does he find these people? And, and here's the thing that I need you to understand. The reality is a close friendship isn't something you find as much as something you form. And I think the reality of what is actually taking place in the story is David is doing for these guys what, what he has spent a lifetime doing for them already. If you do a deep dive into the story of David's life, what you end up finding is that this moment is a reflection of the investment that he has been making into these men for years. And again, maybe you're thinking like, well, Awesome. Great for, I mean, I'd st I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not like that, okay? I'm not David. I am just, I'm not good at making friends. And maybe you're expecting me to say like, no, you, no, you are. You may not be. Okay, the reality of it is certain people are just better at making friends than other people. And anyone who's trying to tell you differently is lying to you. It is just more difficult for some of us to do than others. For some people, you know, making friends just comes naturally. It's just the way they're wired. But the big question I want us to wrestle with today is like, what if you could learn to do uh, what they appear to do automatically? Like, are there certain things that actually create closeness? Because if you knew what they were, instead of sort of passively crossing your fingers and hoping to find close friendships, you could proactively begin to form them. You know how my sister actually eventually figured out how to make the perfect cruise ship chocolate lava cake? She booked the same exact cruise again. No joke, she did not invite me this time, but she went on the cruise and she scheduled time at that same restaurant that had the lava cake. In fact, before she booked the cruise, she called the company and was like, are you still making the lava cakes? 
They didn't know. She's like, I'm not booking this cruise until you find out for sure. And she went to the same table and every single night she asked to speak with the chef and he didn't come out several nights and finally he did. And when he did, she begged him to give her the recipe and the ingredients and he told her he wasn't supposed to and she said, do it anyway. (laughs) My sister is very convincing. And she ended up extracting the recipe from this guy, which hopefully he did not get fired for. This is just our secret and then all the hundreds of podcast people that listen. And she came home and she, now that she had all the things, she was like, that is the thing that was missing. And also I was using too much of that. And you can only order that particular thing from Argentina. I would not have known that. She had no clue what ingredients went in it in what order and how it all worked together. But once she did, it changed everything. And, and, And I wonder, like, what if you could do the same thing when it came to close connections, the kind that you and I crave? What if you could get your hands on the recipe? What if you could figure out what it was that David was doing that built these incredible deepened friendships? And what if you could do the same things in your life? There's this uh, book that I read a while back called Click. It's by Ori and... Um, Ron Broffman, they're brothers, and one of them is a, a consultant. One of them is a psychologist. They both spend a lot of time researching what makes people connect. And what they end up surfacing in this book are five things that, that cause people to click, essentially the building blocks of best friendships, the ingredients that mix together to create closeness. And I, I want to spend the rest of our time together just highlighting what these things are, because I think the same exact things that their research identify are the same things that we see in the story of David and the same things that are being reiterated to us in Scripture in both the Old and New Testament in terms of how to make close connections. So here's what they are. The first one is proximity. Proximity. And this is what this essentially means is spending considerable, consistent time around one another. Uh, psychologists sometimes say it this way. We tend to be close with the people we are close to, right? When we are in close proximity to people, a bond begins to form. There are certain exchanges that can only happen simo- like spontaneously when you are around someone a lot. Like no matter what kind of friend we want, uh, you can't have a friend if that sort of person is not available to you, Right? I mean, at some point, we've all been like, we've seen someone famous and been like, I feel like we would be good friends. You're never going to meet them, okay? But, but the people that we are surrounded with, we can lean into. And the more we're together with them, um, the, the compound effect that that time has on our relationship, the more likely uh, you are to, to not read into or misinterpret their little idiosyncrasies, right? If when you first meet them, you're just like, they're angry all the time. And then after a while, you're like, no, that's their pre-coffee face. We're fine. We're good. They're not mad. Everything's okay. You end up being able to connect through this this series of overlapping shared experiences and stories because so many things have happened to you because you've spent so much time together and you begin to form uh, your little set of inside jokes and your nicknames for certain things. You know, you've been around best friends when like they're talking about something and then they're just like, they use some reference for something and they're both laughing and everyone else is just like, I don't know your twin language. I don't know what's happening. And this is what happens when we spend so much deep in time with people, we begin to develop a deep in relationship. And this is, becomes the issue for a lot of us, is that some of us, 
don't spend enough time close to people to become close with people. Like we want to have deep relationships, but we haven't logged enough time to make the kind of connections we want feel the way we want them to feel. There's a, a recent research study that came out of the University of Kansas that found that it takes over 200 hours of connection time to develop what they would consider to be a close friendship. I think a lot of times this is the issue. We think it should happen faster, right? We think we should find our best friend instantly and that we should feel all these things and connect with them at a deep level. And oftentimes people will just be like, oh, I just am not making any close friends, uh, you know, here at church. And I'm like, well, you're only here like 45 minutes once a month. I mean, it's gonna take a long time to log those 200 hours. We gotta get more time around the people that we wanna be with. And so if this is an issue for you, what do you do? And I wanna give you three quick suggestions that you could lean into if this is an issue for you. And the first one is to become a regular. Find out where the types of people that you wanna be friends with, spend time, and go spend a lot of time there. Become a regular there. Become a predictable face there. We tend to connect with the people that we're surrounded with. One of my older sisters wanted to marry a doctor. So she went to med school and it was a very successful strategy. She got what she wanted, right? So that's where doctors hang out. They make them there. All right. The second thing I would suggest is do the mundane together. Sometimes we think like connecting with a friend has to be some amazing organized, you know, hang date or whatever. And we have to do something really cool. You know, a lot of times it's just people are busy. They have a lot of things to do. It's just offering to do the simple things with them. Like, yeah, I'll help you tear down that wall in your bathroom. Yeah, sure. You know, I'll, I'll go sit with you at your son's soccer practice. I'll bring burritos. Like, sure, I don't care. You know, I'll come over while you fold laundry. I'm not gonna fold the laundry, right? Because I don't wanna touch your intimate things, but like I will hang out and talk and like eat some Cheetos and then you really won't want me touching that laundry. So you get the Cheeto dust, you don't want that. And the third thing I would suggest is accept invitations, right? When people invite you to do things that you're spending time with, actually choose to believe that they want you there and then show up and be yourself. How many things do we talk ourselves out of? Oh, they didn't mean it. They're just saying it to be nice. Yeah, it is nice. So go and, and make a friend. And when we don't do these things, we don't log enough time to actually experience closeness. The second thing is similarity, which is finding and focusing on what you have in common with each other. Uh, you know, we instantly feel closer to people when we find out we have something in common even if it's trivial uh, or tiny. And research study after research study shows this to be disproportionately true. You ever like find someone annoying? You're just like, I don't like that guy. And then you find out something about them that you have in common. You're like, they're all right. <laughs> it's like how quickly you pivot. Like what a jerk. And you're like, oh, he's a Rams fan. <laughs> We're buddies. We're buddies. And you have that little like connection nugget that you share, you know? It's weird the way this affects us. And the truth is, we have differences and similarities with every single person we come in contact with. The question is, what do we focus on and lean into? Especially at first, that determines usually the course that the relationship takes. 
And the issue, I think, for a lot of us is, you know, some of us, we, we tend to spot surface differences right away and then write people off, wrongly assuming that if we dig deeper, we still won't have anything in common. We're just like, oh, I don't know. They just seem, they're, they're, they're older, you know. I'm never gonna, I mean, we, don't, we probably don't have anything in common. Well, now that they've had a baby, you know, we just have to, they have to go to Baby Island. They can only be friends with people with babies. Like, we can't. It's not going to work, right? I mean, it's just like, mm, they don't like sports. So since that's the only thing that exists in life, uh, I just can't be friends. With, it's like, there's probably more below the surface if you dig. And so this is a hang up for you. What can you do? The first thing I would suggest is surface a shared quirk, even if it's tiny or trivial. Right? Sometimes the little things that spark a relationship are just like, I hate that copier. It always the, the toner is always screwed up. And they're like, I hate the copier. And it's like, that's our thing. We hate the copier. And it's like you bond and it becomes the thing that everything grows out of, right? Or they like the same team that you do or you both have the same lunch spot that you like in common, right? Or, you know, you, you both feel frustrated about the same sort of deal. Like these sorts of things connect us at, at a deeper level than oftentimes we realize. The second thing is to learn about their likes, you know, maybe you're just like, I don't know that I like that, but I don't even really know much about it. Spend a little bit of time um, reading a chapter or two of that book they keep talking about, watching an episode of that show that they keep referencing. Um, spend a little bit of time doing a Google search on that artist that they keep listening to. Maybe find out that you might enjoy it too, or at least know enough about it to be able to connect with them over it. And the third thing is to try something new. Like just do something, create a new similarity, Right? It's like, I don't know what we have in common. Let's create something in common. I've kind of always wanted to, you wanted to do that too? Let's, all, let's just do it. Let's just go do the thing together. And some of you are like, I don't want to do that because what if it's horrible? Even better. Right? Think about some of your closest friendships. It's not that like you're friends because everything was awesome every time you got together, but that you share the intimacy of how horrible certain things went. Like, remember when we went to that thing and it was a train wreck and we almost got stabbed and the food was disgusting and you had diarrhea and we didn't even know each other. That's when I knew we were going to be friends for life. Sometimes that's how it happens. Um, the third thing is this intentionality, intentionality, which is essentially being attentive and, uh, to and mindful of each other's thoughts, feelings, and preferences. Attention is the currency of affection, right? When someone listens to us and leans into our life and pays attention to what's going on with us, it feels like love. And in a lot of ways it is. How great does it feel when somebody remembers something specific about you? They remember your name, not your real name, but what you like people to call you. They, they remember that little preference that you have. They remembered that you were like, yeah, I'm going in for dental surgery. And they doubled back and asked you about it. And you're just like, oh, you know. There's something special about people leaning into and knowing things about your life. Remembering what is important to someone else is how we show them that they're important to us. It's intentionality. And when someone inconveniences themselves and change their plans or goes way out of their way to be with us or connect with us or help us, it sticks with us and it deeply bonds us. And the issue, I think, for a lot of us when it comes to intentionality is that some of us are so preoccupied with ourselves that we don't pay much attention to anyone else. We are so um, overwhelmed in our own world with our problems and our stressors and our insecurities 
and our to-do list that we're not logging the details and paying attention to the things that are happening in the people's lives around us. And because of that, there's not much intentionality in the relationship. And so we settle for these shallow surface exchanges and we have a generic relationship because that's all that's invested into it. And so if this is an issue for you, what can you do? A couple things I would suggest. One, make specific plans. Can we all just agree? Let's stop saying like, hey, let's get together sometime. Right, like that's not like, let's get together is not a plan. It's an expression. Okay, and it leads nowhere most of the time. Like put something on the schedule so that it will actually happen. Be intentional, right? Um, The second thing is to show up and put down your phone. Actually determine that there are going to be moments in your life where you're going to go and you're not going to be with people virtually. You're going to be with people physically and you're going to hang out with them and you're going to look at them face to face. And when you go to the place where you meet up, um, take out your phone and shut it off and then put it away and be present. Like it blows people. There have been times where I go to lunch with people and I'm like, hey, and I get there and I shut off my phone, I put it away. And they're just kind of like, wow. There are other times, right, where we have done something with someone and they're just like, huh, yep. Uh, okay, uh, I'm gonna take a call, even though you're just crying in the middle of the story. And you're just like, wow, I don't feel a lot of intentionality or connection with you as a result of this. And the, the third thing I would suggest here is to say what you're looking for. You know, maybe not right out the gate, but eventually you're going to have to, like, define the relationship. You're going to have to DTR that friendship, right? So it gets confused. Sometimes we miss out on a friendship because we have no idea what they're wanting from this interaction. You know, I, there have been times in my life where it was just like, where somebody will eventually be like, well, I really want, I was hoping we could be friends and hang out. And I'm like, you never said that. And they're like, I tried to draw pins. And I'm like, you got to tell me, okay? I, I didn't know. At some point, we're going to have to actually say, like, you know what? I was hoping we could become workout partners. I would like to, like, get lunch once a week. Can we do that? You know, I, I, I think we both like the same sports team. Can we just take turns watching the games at each other's houses, right? Now, they may say no, but you'll never know unless you take the risk. Say what it is you're looking for, and you're more likely to get it. The, the fourth thing that they recognize ingredient to closeness is vulnerability which is essentially revealing how you really think and feel, especially your flaws, fears, and failures. So you're like, those are all the things I try to keep hidden. So that's not, that's not a favorite for me. And that is why it's so special and bonding. Because most of us have our guard up most of the time. And when someone brings that wall down and they let us in, like behind the facade, whether it's intentional or accidental, like, it, it feels connective and close. And part of it is, like, I don't know if you've noticed this, like, admitting a weakness is sometimes more meaningful in a relationship than showing off a strength because realness is relatable. Like I, don't, I don't necessarily connect with a lot of people over, like, I'm killing it all the time and amazing and nothing ever bad happens in my life. I'm like, I don't relate to you at all. And somebody's like, man, here's where I've screwed up and some things I've done horrible this last week. And this is what I'm like worrying about constantly. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like we are, yeah, we're connected. We are both idiots. Wow, that we can bond over that, right? Like humanness helps us to, to connect with each other. 
And I think you probably had a moment in your life where there was somebody that you kind of loosely knew as an acquaintance. And maybe you thought they were like intimidating or kind of a snob or just standoffish. And for whatever reason, in that moment, they let their guard down and they shared something so real. And it was something that related to a flaw or a fear or a failure that they've experienced in their life. And it was like you saw them completely different in that moment. It was like they turned into a different person in front of you. And suddenly you felt a connection to them because that's what vulnerability does for us. But vulnerability here is not just being able to be vulnerable with them, but it's creating a safe space where they can be vulnerable with you, where their secrets are safe with you, where it is a judgment-free zone, where they can say, like, this is what I'm going through, and you don't immediately react and be like, oh, for shame, you know what I mean? And it's all awkward and weird, right? But where they can actually be themselves. And I think for a lot of us that you know, for, for which vulnerability is, is an obstacle for us. You know, sometimes for some of us, it's, it's either that we refuse to reveal any of our flaws or our fears or our failures, or it's that we reveal way too much way too soon. And most of us lean towards one extreme or the other, right? Some of us are just like, hey, how's it going? So anyway, my hysterectomy, and you're like, okay, wow, right out the gate. That's where we are. I just thought we could just have brunch, <laughs> And I'm not hungry. And some of us, we've known certain people for like 15 years. And we have no idea what's really going on with them. And so the relationship is sort of halted because there's nothing deep end about that interaction, that connection. Vulnerability is something that should slowly increase over time with mutual trust. And so if this is something that is an issue for you, what can you do? Here's some things I would suggest. The first thing is talk side by side and then face to face. I think it's a great tip, especially if you are, um, especially for guys, right? Uh, A lot of the friends, close friends that I have, it didn't begin with like, hey, let's go get champagne, look into each other's eyes and share what we're feeling. That's not really how it happened. It was just like, hey, do you want to do this thing, (laughs) right? Do you want to watch this movie? Do you want to help me with this project, right? Do you want to go check out this uh, record store, right? It's, it's something that we're doing together with each other because that side-by-side time opens up the ability to have deep in conversations that feel less intimidating because there's not as much pressure to have the conversation so we can just have it. The second thing I would suggest is ask more interesting questions. Some of us, the relationship just gets jolted because we're just like, what do you do? You live around here? Brown hair, huh? These are not great, guys. The third one is debatably not even a question, okay? You know, all of us, we get jammed up at times. And just to be real with you, there are times where I go into social situations and I don't know how to interact. And I will just think about what would be an interesting Questions. Sometimes I look things up online. I'm just like, what would be something that would be fascinating to, I'm, I'm infamous for doing this. Like we have people over at our house for dinner that I don't know very well. I'll just sort of stop the conversation and I'll ask a weird question. And then like a half hour later, everyone's like crying and talking and laughing and peeing themselves. It's fun. Like recently we had some people over and I was like, what is, okay, time out. What is something that like, in junior high, like if you could go in a time machine and tell your junior high self that you have accomplished or achieved something now, 
that you didn't think was going to happen, then what would that thing be and why would it blow your mind? And everyone's like, oh. And then we got into people's stories and it was interesting. I wonder if you spent a little bit more time just crafting better questions if you could get below the surface. And the, the third thing is to gather recommendations. People love to give advice, right? Some of you are like, yeah, sometimes when I'm not asking for it, it's uh, get a lot of it. But when we can actually sort of humble ourselves near someone and be like, this is what I'm trying to figure out or what I'm going through or what I'm experiencing, what do you think I should do? What have you done in this situation? Are there any books you think I should read? What, like, what should I say? Like, where should I, where should I go for this advice? Any, any restaurants that I should hit up for the day? Right. It opens up a, a door for, A, you to say, like, I want to be the learner. You teach me something. And it, and it opens up a door for vulnerability and, and intimacy. And then the fifth and, and final thing is adversity. This usually isn't our favorite which means overcoming obstacles and suffering alongside one another. And these aren't things we often want to sign up for, but when you survive something with someone, it cements the relationship together. This is the phenomenon that takes place in like boot camp or when people go to war together or like similar to war, like go through junior high together. Like it bonds us in a weird sort of way because we're like, we made it, we did it. In fact, isn't this basically the plot structure of almost every movie? It's like two people and you kind of meet them and you're like, they're not going to hit it off. <laughs> Some wackiness is in store for us. And then like they're thrown together and then they, there's an obstacle they have to overcome and they have to like band together and connect and rely on one another and help each other and lean on each other. And then like, and, and then by the end of the movie, they're like, we're best friends. We love these movies. We've, we, there's a million of them. It's because this is how life works. And yet, ironically, we, we avoid as much adversity as we can, and it ends up sort of backfiring on us. For some of us, the issue when it comes to adversity is we pursue such comfort and convenience that we end up preventing the closeness and connection we're craving. We insulate ourselves so much that life is perfectly comfortable and perfectly lonely. I'm telling you, it's not what you want. And so if this is something that you struggle to do, here's some suggestions for you. First thing I would say is schedule yourself to serve weekly. Do something uncomfortable to serve and benefit other people alongside someone else. If only there was some sort of like a local organization that provided opportunities for people to like serve and they needed help right now and you could show up and you could like serve with those people. It's, it's the church. I'll just give it away. It's, it's us. You could do that right now, right now. Second thing I would suggest is train for something physical. Um, you know, there's something about like sweating alongside other people that, that bonds them together. And, um, you know, maybe you're not the type of person. This is why like people, it seems like everyone who goes to CrossFit is like, they're like, all my best friends are CrossFit people. And it's because they are working so hard and vomiting on each other every day. And it's just like that kind of like adversity is just like, they're like, we're best friends, you know, and that's how it works. And maybe that's not your jam, but like some, even just like agreeing to take a walk with people sometimes does it. Like taking a strenuous hike together, taking up jogging, working out once a week, um, 
you know, going on a, a, a trip that's difficult, right? Like, well, let's whitewater raft together because it would just be crazy and weird. Let's do it, right? Let's go camping because none of us know how to. And so it's going to be weird and uncomfortable. We're going to have to overcome adversity. One of us is probably going to get eaten by a bear. But the three that don't are going to be best friends for life. And that's the chance I'm willing to take. And the third thing is um, to, to solve a problem together. You know, when, when somebody's going through something and you step in and step up and you're like, well, let's figure it out. What can we do? How can I help? Right? I'll run that errand for you. I'll make that phone call for you. I'll help you accomplish that task that you're struggling with. I have a tip that might shortcut that process. And we remember those things because someone enters into our adversity with us and helps us solve the problem and it bonds us. Now, when you look at all five of these things, think about how many of them exist in the story of David. All of them. I mean, when you look at, at what creates closeness, it's no mystery that David was exceptionally close with these people. They were in close proximity to one another, right? They had these similarities of things they were going through and experiencing together. They, they had a lot of intentionality. They had to like stay connected and be aware of each other or they wouldn't survive. They were vulnerable they were weakened, they were suffering together, and all these things deeply bonded them. I know we look at David's story, we look at these moments that he has on the back end of all this effort, and we think like, I want that. And if you want that, the best way to get it is to sign up for all of this. Because great friendships aren't found as much as they're formed. And if you want what David had, the smartest thing to do is to do what David did to be the kind of friend that you want to have. Be the kind of friend that you want to have. Or in the words of Jesus, to do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. To take all of those things that you were desperate to get and acknowledge that you were designed to give them to other people. And in fact, Jesus followers one of the, the biggest things in the, in, in, in the, the sort of Christ-centered code is like, people who follow Jesus go first. We do the difficult thing first. We serve first. We love first. We sacrifice first. We do the tough stuff first. When everybody's just like, who's gonna go? Who's gonna do it? We go first. And I wanna encourage you to actively add these ingredients to your interactions and over time, Watch what develops. Because this is what creates closeness. And hopefully, someday, that path that you're on with that person will get close enough that you can enjoy a delicious cruise-quality lava cake together. And you gotta go on Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines because that's really where it is. It's where it's at, and it's so delicious. Or you're going to have to go to my sister's house. Those are really your only two options for the best lava cake of your life. But you know what? It doesn't taste as good if you've got nobody to share it with. And in order to create those connections, we've got to make the investment. And that's what I want to pray into your life today, that you would have the courage to put forth the effort to form the friendships you want. Would you bow your heads with me across this room? God, thank you so much 
for the life that you've given us and, and the way in which you lead and guide us to understand how to live life to the full. God, we realize the only reason, the only way we understand what love and, and really deep in friendship is is because you created us with those longings and you intend to show us how to fulfill those longings by leaning into your way. And God, I pray that we would be people who take from your example, who follow your lead and who are willing to go first. God, may you help us to put in place the ingredients in our lives that eventually shape up what it is we want most out of our existence. So when we get to the moments in which life is bottoming out, we are not alone because the investments we have made along the way have deepened relationships that are there for us when we need them most. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless. Thank you.